Hello, and welcome to the Double Your Freelancing podcast. I'm your host, Zach Swinehart, and I'm here today with Josh Starr from joshstar.co. And that is star with two R's, so I'm just going to spell it. J-O-S-H-S-T-A-R-R.co. Today, he and I are talking about cold email, cold outreach broadly, but cold email specifically. And I'm really excited for it because we were chatting in the pre-interview. So in his various agencies, he has added over $2.3 million in lifetime value from clients generated uh, from cold email for his graphic design subscription service. So the $2.3 million is just graphic design subscription service, yeah? Yep, that's right. Wow. And get this, his agencies have worked with over 3,500 clients over the years. <sighs> Crazy. And they did the e-commerce build-out for Walmart.com, and he's worked with like Coke, Pepsi, Kellogg, and uh, I don't know, I don't know if you generated those leads through cold email. I guess we'll learn soon. But um, but yeah. So today we're basically going to go nuts and bolts on his cold email strategy and learn how to do what he does. So, Josh, welcome. Nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to chat and share a little bit about my journey and how I can help you guys land some clients. Awesome. So I recently heard some podcasters say that it's a big pet peeve of theirs to like go on a podcast and ask someone for their story, like tell me who you are, what you do. So I'm experimenting with just not doing that. It feels kind of weird though. So I'm going to ask you this, how slash when on your agency journey did you get started with cold outreach? Like was it the first thing you did where you got your first leads? Is it something you did down the line? How'd you get going with that? Yeah, so I started kind of in this field maybe 20 years ago, so it's been a while. Um, you know, I, I started the cold email maybe three years ago just based off of, um, I think, the need of referral sources drying up for a season. And so I was testing, hey, the referrals are working normally, but what is kind of a cold strategy that I can go and meet my clients directly? So it's out of like a need, honestly. And it was kind of at the beginning of the cold email. Like now it's more established, but back then, three, four years ago, like it was totally new. Mm. So it's kind of like a wild, wild west of what's going to work. So a lot of the stuff that I've learned is just experimentation of what I've done and what's worked well. Um, it's way more established. There's a lot more software now that does it really well. But four years ago, man, it was like figuring it out on the fly. And obviously, everyone reads emails. Um, so it's like you're going directly to the potential customer as opposed to ads. You know, they're typically passive and they're not really going to convert that well with high ticket stuff. But email, I found, converts really well for high ticket sales. So cool. And it sounds like I'm not super sure on this, but it sounds like your cold email so i mentioned to you in the pre-interview that delia has done it a lot with like agency partnerships but it sounds like your cold email strategy is not like agency partnerships influencer partnerships it's direct to the end client is that right it is yeah yeah and that's why i started it is being an entrepreneur myself you're always kind of looking for um you know how to generate leads how to make sales how to grow your um your businesses and things that you start and so i started it to generate sales for my own businesses. Uh, and so now, because it's worked so well, I don't typically partner with other agencies offering this as a service. It's I'm going directly to potential customers now and saying, hey, I could do this on your behalf. I can find leads for you doing cold email outreach. Cool. Yep. So if you wanted to walk through the strategy, I mean, 
for me, I think it would maybe be helpful to have the kind of really zoomed out, like imagine we are creating an outline of all the steps in your flow. I'd like to have those high level steps. Like first step one, you find someone by doing this and then step two, you reach out to them and then we could zoom in a little bit. Does that sound like a good flow to you or how, how do you envision sharing your strategy with us? Yeah, I think that's good going over um, the high level steps. You know, typically what I start with normally is uh, right off the bat, what are you trying to sell? That cold email, you can exclude right off the bat. You can exclude direct to consumer. Like it's just cold email does not work for B2C at all. Typically because uh, the market is so big maybe and the sales, um, the average lifetime value is so low. So if yeah. you're trying to sell like an e-commerce product, you're trying to sell something that's maybe even less than a thousand dollars, the finance just doesn't fit. You know, so if you're trying to do maybe B2C and the lifetime value for that customer is more than a thousand dollars, maybe you're selling a package of things or you're selling over multiple years, then it might still work. But cold email normally works with B2B and selling a product or service that's north of a thousand or two thousand dollars is typically so high level gives, we can go as long as you start there then we go through the whole process yeah. and the nice thing is that like frankly it's it's hard for me to imagine a freelancer who wouldn't meet those true two criteria like yeah lots of freelancers have stuff under a thousand bucks but like i think it's a pretty established tenet at dyf that you should pretty much always be b2b if you're a freelancer i think the exception the obvious exception is like say wedding photographers um, but in general, I think most of us listening today are B2B and could certainly conceptualize what it would be like selling something over a thousand bucks. Um, so let's get some context first, though. So I know you have several different agencies. So at joshstar.co is your sole offering you helping other agencies with cold outreach or do you have like other products there or is that that brand? It's just for that thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I know you've probably heard, obviously, the productized consulting or the productized services. Um, that's basically what joshstar.co is, where because I've done this on my own so often, I was like, instead of doing a single landing page on my other agency site, I'll just, let's put that all on joshstar.co. So I do this for other agencies, other software companies, where they bring me in, I'll look at their whole um, sales process, who they're targeting, and I'll do the cold email campaigns for them on their behalf, booking their um, ideal customer for them. Okay. So let's get the landscape. So I would like to know the contexts, like all the different contexts where you have generated leads for yourself with cold outreach. So I guess as a starting point, for the for your clients at joshstar.co, do you get those? It's like really meta. Are you doing cold outreach to people for whom they are then hiring you to do cold outreach? Yeah. Is yep, that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I do have um, some screen sharing stuff that I was going to walk through and I was going to walk through that campaign. Okay, cool. Um, one of the campaigns that I started in July of this year ran for, I think, 45 days or 60 days. So I have some metrics where with joshstar.co, I went out and I was targeting my ideal client that I want to book to book cold emails for. <laughs> and so this, you know, I, we can walk through the steps, but it's basically some of the the analytics on how well that campaign performed, um, my outreach strategy, the messaging, 
uh, the follow-ups, booking the meetings and landing pages and all that stuff. So that might be a good case study of, hey, I'm eating my own dog food, obviously. Mm -hmm. you know, It's like I'm testing this myself, and I, here's the results that I generated for myself doing this. Cool. But to I want to get some context beyond that also. So like you've done it for Jostra.co, but of your different agencies, uh, which ones, like what are the service offerings of the other agencies that you've mm -hmm. also driven business to with Cold Average? So you, you mentioned Pixel yeah. Painters, right? That's all Cold Average yeah. so far? Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the beginning of my journey um, in 2019. Um, I had already, so I started Pixel Painters in 2018. And at the beginning of any sort of agency, you know, you're kind of, um, you're using and you're leveraging your existing network. So I had a pretty extensive network of ideal clients that I just literally called or I met with in person. And I said, hey, I'm doing this subscription graphic design service. Would you be willing to be one of my first clients? And so that generated a lot of the sales right off the bat for the first maybe 18 months. And then after you leverage your existing network, you're either left with uh, paying for ads. You know, a lot of people do conferences. Uh, some people do in-person meetups, you know, and you're, so you kind of just, as an entrepreneur, you're scrambling what is going to work. And that's when I tested the cold email for uh, Pixel Painters um, in 2019. And that um, is where on, on Josh.co, I have a case study that kind of goes through I did it for three solid years, so 2019 all the way through COVID, and then some of the most recent campaigns I think ended uh, this year. And that's where that lifetime value for Pixel Painters, the average customer is 24,000 uh, per customer. And so if I'm booking those meetings and I'm landing those clients, that's where that $2.3 million of the uh, lifetime value added to the business comes from. That's awesome. And what is your, um, so the, 24k what's your monthly monthly package on that like i'm curious yeah. what your churn churn rate is yep yeah the churn rate sometimes man it's like you're looking at the churn um <clears throat> and you add five clients and you lose five you know it's like <laughs> man like this month is terrible you know um my churn is pretty low over the past four years like it averages between one and two percent uh monthly. wow um yeah that's so amazing super super low. I think it's a really sticky service because um, the clients really need the ongoing work. And um, I over-qualify them. Like I, I try to just not sell the service. Like, hey, if we're not a good fit, if you're just going to use me for one month or one project, like I don't, I'm not a good fit. I'm not going to work with you. Um, and so I, I disqualify a lot of the potential customers that come my way, which kind of stinks because at first you're not getting as many sales obviously but i think because of that the churn rate's really low and so the average lifetime value is really high the churn rate's really low which um, allows you to confidently kind of go out and grow your business do marketing do the cold email stuff because you know you're not going to have a huge wild swing month to month yeah yeah this is so cool i i always I, I mentioned to you that I always go really deep and I'm noticing my thoughts branching into all these things I want to go down to. Um, mm -hmm. For those of you who are here live, feel free to type questions in the Q&A as you go. Uh, but one one question I have for you, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask in a second. Let me establish the other context first. So you've got Josh Starr, you do cold outreach for that. You've got Pixel Painters, you do cold outreach for that. Are there any other agency entities that 
you have that you do cold outreach to generate leads for? Or is it mostly just these two? Yeah, those are the two um, that I own. I am spinning up another um, graphic design subscription service um, for healthcare companies. Mm, cool. Um, so I am I'm starting the cold email for that over the last two weeks, uh, but then a few other uh, clients that I do cold email outreach for that um, have started after my campaign for joshstar.co. So awesome. So one okay. Last little <laughs> groundwork question for Pixel Painters right now. Uh, and I guess Josh Jar too, but Josh Jar kind of doesn't count because by the nature of your being here, you're generating leads for it outside of cold outreach because this is going to generate leads. But Pixel Painters, other than referrals, other than cold outreach, where are your leads coming from? Or are they? I know you're about to start with paid ads for that stuff. Are those your, your main two sources, just referrals and outreach? Yeah, so um, over the last five years, um, a lot of them were referrals. Um, most of them line share were cold email outreach. So I've basically built it from cold email outreach. Cool. And then just doing um, SEO optimization, some free giveaways, content online. Uh, over the last year, I've seen maybe 10 to 15% of the clients come in just from Google straight, you know, organic search results, but I'm not doing any sort of paid social ads or paid AdWords or any sort of paid media at all. It's all cold email referrals and organic. Cool. Very exciting. I think, I think I speak for all of us when I say that the allure of cold outreach, even though it sounds scary and like, I don't want to do it. I love that you can control it. And I'm curious how much you like for Josh Starr, let's say you get a new client or for pixel painters at this point, it, I'm imagining it's maybe more in maintenance mode now. How much of the cold outreach process do you at this point for pixel painters personally have to do versus like having a team member do? Is it all out of your hands? What's that What's that look like for you? Yeah, uh, for me, so I have uh, five staff and they're all designers. Like none of them do any of the sales or any of the admin assistants or any of that stuff. I'm basically wear all of the hats. So. Um, doing any sort of the sales, any any sort of the technology stuff, the marketing, any of that, that's all on me. Um, and that was like on busy weeks, that was some of the frustrating aspects is if cold email works really well, then these people are booking on your calendar and they're just kind of showing up on your yeah. meetings. And so like sometimes some weeks were, um, you know, if you're an introvert, I typically keep my afternoons open for meetings. And so there are some weeks where I'm doing four or five meetings a day, you know, 30 minutes a piece and every day is full. And wow. that was just like, for me, like at the end of the day, I'm just exhausted because I'm working four hours in the morning building things and then four hours or three hours in the afternoon doing all these meetings. So I was just like, man, I'm like wasted. <laughs> I'm going home, I'm just like exhausted. Yeah. And so what, what I did, um, to alleviate some of that was I did a pre-recorded session where I did like this slideshow and I walked through all the questions because after you've done a hundred meetings, they typically always ask the same questions. And so I did a slideshow that has um, me walking through all the typical questions that I just recorded myself doing it. And so I put that right above my calendar link on the website. And so now that probably cut down on maybe half the meetings. And they just so like direct of, purchase? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, so now cool. at this point, they'll go to the site, um, they'll watch that pre-recording, and then at the end of the pre-recording, I have a coupon for hundred bucks off the first month. Mm, and so normally, so like they'll watch all the way to the end, they'll sign up with that coupon, and they won't book a meeting at all. Uh, there are some times where the potential client will book a meeting because, you know, in this industry, you like to know that you're working with someone like a real person. And so sometimes they're booking the meeting, they're wanting to know am I a real person, but they're already like sold, like they're ready to sign on. Like, <laughs> and so they're doing this meeting and by the end they're like, all right, what's the next step? And then mm -hmm. they get off the meeting and they sign, they sign up right away. And so the, um, you know, the, the, Tire kicker meetings are less likely now, but the process for me is I do all of the meetings myself. I don't hand it off to anybody at this point. And all of the initial research to find the leads, all of the initial emails to the leads, you're also doing that all yourself? Yeah, yeah. In, in this industry, um, you know, and that's probably one of the the biggest action items that I could give you from the meeting is the more targeted your customer profile is, the more successful your cold email is going to be. And so if you're looking at um, selling agency services to just like the general market, your cold email is not going to work because you have to send just the, the sheer volume that you have to send is so high that it's just hard to churn through all those emails to get results. So the more targeted that you can get, the better results you're going to see. Uh, so for me, with... Um, the businesses that I've started, it's always what is the smallest number of the ideal customer profile that I'm going to go after. And with pixel painters, it's churches. And so as you do lead, um, like um, purchase leads or you buy an email list, normally it's pastor or communication director or working at a nonprofit. So it's like it's pretty segmented where you can find who these people are and based off their title and the businesses that they work for. And so in that respect, it was super easy to find and target who these people were, which made the, the cold email that much more accurate because I know exactly who they were. So I am wondering why with, with the level of success and scale you've had and the fact that you do this for clients, like uh, what's your main reason why you haven't hired a staff member to help with the actual conducting of the emails? Is it fear they won't do it right? Is it like challenges? Like, yeah, where's your head at with that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, and this probably isn't the answer for everyone, but for me, um, I enjoy getting the results. You know, like as an entrepreneur, it's the from going from zero to one, that's fun. And so it's almost um, once you land the sale, I love passing that process off to someone else. Like I mm. don't actually like doing what happens after you land the client, mm. but the journey from zero to one and actually acquiring them, that's the fun part for me. Mm. So I absolutely okay. probably could train someone and hand it off, but it kind of feels like, man, I'd be handed off the part that I enjoy. Yeah, fair and, enough. You know, at this stage in life, I will probably get to there over the last over the next year or two, just you know, with kids and responsibilities and everything. But for now, I love it so much that I don't really want to hand it off to someone else. Like, I, I want to get the joy of landing the clients. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And it's if you enjoy it, awesome. For me, like I um, 
I have been doing some cold outreach for my podcast guests, for example, and I have gotten so much value out of hiring somebody to do it for me. So that all I have to do is press send and like make some edits because I fucking hate it. So for me to not have to actually engage with that, but still get the result and like I create the initial template, but I don't have to do that repetitive work and that face all the rejection. For me, that's a nice fit. And it seems like that would kind of be the long-term ideal for it to be viable as a scalable marketing strategy, because if there's a process that somebody could follow and do well, then the only cap to the amount of leads that come in is, of course, the size of the market and the amount of team members I can hire to run the thing. So if you, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a question I have for you is like, and you've probably learned this as well as like, if you hand things off too early and you haven't really learned it yourself, then sometimes it's, it's gonna, it's gonna fail. Like it's destined for failure because you, you didn't necessarily even learn how to do it yourself. So there's that sweet spot of like, you went through the trenches, you learned everything, you know, why it's working and you can kind of systematize it and then hand it off, then that works really well. But if like, if you've never learned and never fought to actually know why it's working, then like handing it off, sometimes it could be real frustrating because you're not getting the results. And you're like, hey, why why aren't you doing this? And the person's like, well, I'm following the directions. You know, (laughs) like all I could do is follow the directions, you know? Yeah. So it can kind of cause some problems there. Yeah, for sure. I was recently speaking with a friend who's exited from a lot of businesses and I was asking him if he thought I was wasting my time like going through these technical processes the first time. So like in your graphic design equivalent, it would be like, you know, deciding on the graphic design process the first time. And he was mirroring what you're saying. Like you got to do it the first time to know what to delegate. Otherwise people might not do the right things. So if you were to give a metric, like suppose somebody really doesn't like the process and they want to delegate it ASAP. What would your metric be of how many times they should close or what sort of take rate they should get? Or maybe we should circle back to this after you explain your process. But I'd be keen to hear what your thought is on where that Goldilocks zone is of having gotten enough wins yourself, having gotten like a successful metric yourself before looking into delegating it. Do you think we should talk about that after you lay out the process or do you want to speak to that now? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, so in the... um, there is a percentage for actually booking meetings that I like to see, and that's typically 0.6% of the total emails. So if you're sending a thousand cold e- like emails to a thousand people a month, I'd like to see at least six meetings being booked from that. Like that's pretty good results. And not um, six closes, just six sales calls. Six sales calls, yeah. So. Um, and that is if the list is targeted, that's if what you're selling, your service is valuable. Um, that's as every, if everything lines up correctly, um, I'd like to see about six meetings booked per month based off that thousand. And okay. sometimes it's better than that. You know, if it's a really great offer, really great brand, super targeted list, like if everything lines up, sometimes it's 10 meetings a month. Um, if you're struggling or kind of launching, it could be, you know, one, two, three meetings per month, um, kind of starting out. So that's kind of average, but it's not, you know, sometimes if you're selling a product or an e-commerce, um, you like to see a 3% conversion rate. Like I wish it was 3% doing cold email, but it's, it's just not, it's point, it's 0.5, 0.6%. 
So I'm guessing with, with that metric that you're aiming for, I'm guessing that your initial message is only minimally customized. Is that maybe, maybe this is a good time. Let's, let's, let's dive into the strategy uh, because I bet that's all going to become pretty clear. <laughs> so we've established the context. I just basically, I wanted to get a little bit of context with pixel painters because I think it's, it's the best example of like a quote, normal agency, right? You're, you're not doing the thing for clients that you're also doing to clients. You're doing just a regular thing to regular clients, but you're getting those at cold hours. So I kind of wanted to establish that picture for the listeners. Maybe I'm just jaded from my like internet marketing world where there are all these internet marketers teaching internet marketers internet marketing, but they've never done internet marketing. So I wanted for anyone jaded like me, I wanted to establish that Josh has done cold outreach without just doing cold outreach to people to do cold outreach for. So everyone is on board with this now. So let's hear your uh, your step-by-step. So it sounds like you start with a purchased list versus leads you research yourself or where do you, where's your starting point? Yeah, there's a few different ways. Um, you can purchase a list. So I've done bulk purchasing a list that's super large, you know, 50, 60,000 people. Um, I've also seen really good results, like for the joshstar.co campaign that I'll walk you guys through. Um, I didn't purchase a list at all. Um, I actually went to, if you've been to the website Product Hunt, mm-hmm. um, you might be familiar with it. So I'm, I've been on Product Hunt for years, and that's a, my exact market. And so what I did with that was I paid a Fiverr gig person to go into Product Hunt and manually scrape the emails, the company, and the names. And I think um, because I did it that way, that campaign performed really well because they they weren't probably on like lead lists, like websites and APIs, you can't buy it. Like you had to physically go to the site and manually copy and paste all the emails and names. Um, so the first step is if you're generating that email list, where are they so you can buy it or you could do what I did and scrape it. But after that, each email was not uh, customizable, like to the individual person, it was uh, lightly customizable with their their URL, their company name, and their name. So it wasn't like I was going into. I think I had. Uh, let me look at my screen. Twelve hundred people. So I didn't go into each one of those twelve hundred profiles and manually type that first line. You know, it was an automated uh, message with kind of uh, you know some short codes in there that kind of pulled in the email message. So, and quick pause to step back. So, um, before starting, you mentioned earlier that you need to have a really clear, um, ideal customer profile. You tried to target something very small and stuff like that. So I guess before you even start with the scraping stuff, you have to do that. So what's your, your process for like, if someone's listening or me, like I gave you that example for that agency project I'm starting. So if with this agency, you know, I'm working with podcasters, right? Is that, would you define that as specific enough? Or would you be like, no, Zach, you need like, you need podcasters within a certain niche or something. Like, how do you decide what, what is targeted enough? What's not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's a great question. And <laughs> I think everyone struggles with that because, uh, you know, our intuition is the bigger the market, the more we're going to be able to sell. But um, that's the exact opposite that you have to really know your exact market. You have to have something of value to offer them. And the messaging has to speak directly to them. 
So if you're doing podcasts, uh, podcast services, um, you know, with that, the lifetime value has to be high enough to where it's going to work for you. And so if you're selling a service that's $100 a month, man, that's really hard because um, you have to buy the email list, you have to set up the software, your time, your close rate from the meetings. Like by the end of it, you might be um, not making enough money to make all that work for your time. And so for you, for you, I would say, um, you know, are there any podcasts that um, business-related podcasts? Are there any um, entrepreneurs that have the budget that want to save time, that want to grow quickly? And where are they? Like, what does that ideal customer profile look like? And if it's a business, like, what's that vertical that they're in? Maybe, maybe it's a financial advisor or something. Like they have money, they're doing a podcast, they're committed for a year or two. Like what, um, oftentimes what I do whenever I do the cold email is these businesses are already established. So I'm normally not necessarily like coaching them and advising them on their most ideal profile. But for me, as I've started business, I've always thought through, um, do they have money? Are they spending the money? Are they committed long-term? And where are they at online? Like, are they in a place where I can identify who they are by either their title, their industry, uh, the business size, if um, they're a for-profit, non-profit? Are there enough of those little triggers that I can build the email list based off of that? And then if I can build the email list, you also want to figure out, am I going to be able to get a thousand new emails per month? Because you don't want it to be small enough to where it's so small that there's only a thousand people <laughs> in that cold email list, because then you're going to go through it in one month, and then you're going to have to start another strategy. Mm. So I like to see um, ten thousand to twenty thousand people if you're building an email list. Like with um, you know, I've used Instantly.ai, I've used Lime Leads. There's a ton of the services online, so you can kind of look at the demographics, the businesses, and things. And if I can build the email list that's 10,000 to 20,000 people, then I know, hey, this is targeted enough and go after it at that point. And you said, what were those two URLs? Yeah, so the I started out with reply.io is one. Um, instantly.ai is another one that's, I think, a little bit better. And they both have lead like services inside their application. So with instantly, like you have to pay per month. It's like a software as a service, but uh, you pay per month and you can look at all those, the demographics, the businesses, the titles, and you can search based off of that and then download or add those people into an email campaign right directly in the software. So that's typically what I've done um, is use instantly.ai. But sometimes if you know who your target is, I've gone to businesses that just sell email lists, you know, outright. And so I've gone to them directly and bought larger email lists for larger amounts of money. Um, it's just, you have to know exactly who your target is, but you get a discount if you buy, you know, a large amount as opposed to an instantly. Okay. And a quick question from Steven, which I guess is in the next step, but might as well ask it. It's a quick one. Uh, when you do the outreach, are you doing it just via email or do you do multi-channel? Like he asked you to do LinkedIn, email, other stuff, or is it just email? Uh, it's just email. Yeah. So um, 
I've dabbled with adding uh, cold calling in there um, in LinkedIn. But if your email campaign is set up correctly, then I've got the best results just sticking to email. So not even adding in LinkedIn, not adding cold calling at all, just straight email. Okay. Um, so to give us an example, could you share with us your ideal customer profile for both Josh Star and Pixel Painters? So we can compare that. It sounds like Pixel Painters, you could probably do it with the more automated way where it's like churches that are over this size or whatever. Uh, whereas Josh Star, it sounds kind of more qualitative. So I'd be interested to hear how you define both. Yep. Yeah, the the Josh Star um, is technology companies. So it's either software as a service or consulting, IT consulting, or um, agency services as, you know, building software for other companies. And so I'm, I know that myself because I have a company that does exactly that as well. So for me, like I knew if you're a development studio, if you're an IT uh, services company, um, the average lifetime value of, of a customer is pretty high. So I knew just right off the bat exactly who they are, where they are, and that's why I went to Product Hunt, obviously. You know, some of those are early stage startups. Um, some of them are more established, but they're on Product Hunt because they're uh, trying to grow. And so I knew that, hey, they're going to be looking for growth strategies, and cold email is a great growth strategy. Uh, with Pixel Painters, that's a little different um, because um, – I had been offering that service as one-off services for like 10 years. And so whenever I started Pixel Painters, it honestly, um, you know, I'd bought uh, DYF courses at the very beginning, like years, years ago. And um, whenever I started Pixel Painters, it was from, I think, a podcast of an agency. Um, what was the name of the agency? Uh, Design Pickle, I think was the name mm. of it. And so my brother was using Design Pickle and he was super upset with like the low quality stuff that he was getting. And I thought, man, I could do this better. You know, it's like, I know this other vertical, I could do this better. And it's, it's the classic entrepreneur is like, you yeah. see a problem and you're like, I'm going to solve it. And so that's why I kind of started with uh, Pixel Painters. I had worked with those, uh, those churches, the nonprofits for a number of years. And so I knew exactly where they were in the world. I knew where they um, were online. I knew their titles, um, that they're working as an at a nonprofit. Um, so it was super easy for me to build those lists because I knew exactly who they were. Uh, but if you don't know who your target is, you know, if you're starting from scratch, sometimes that could be hard. You know, you're testing for a long time trying to figure out where are they is a message. Um, resonating um and that that's why it's much easier to do cold email if you're already selling something and something's working you know mm -hmm. because you know who they are um their titles what you're selling and so at that point it's just building out the email list in the in the software like can we find are they out there and how big is this list at that point so do you think on that note if somebody is still working on productizing like so let's say that you were a graphic designer and you knew you were a good graphic designer and you had just heard about design pickle sucking you were like yeah it would be cool to start this productized unlimited design service 
but I don't have a network. So really my only way to get leads would either be, I don't know, Upwork or cold email. For someone in that position, do you think, because you say that it's best if you're already established and you know it's working, like, do you think that cold email still makes sense and it's just going to be harder? Or do you think there's a different route you think people should take? Or do you have no hard opinion? Yeah, I think um, with cold email, as long as you learn the system and you do it yourself at that stage, then it's very cost effective. It's even more cost effective than trying to do ads because you can test some different verticals. You could test some customer profiles that um, are going to use your graph design services. So you can kind of, you can treat it as um, like a testing ground for, is this ideal customer profile going to buy what I'm selling? Um, you know, because the software is so affordable, I think instantly is a hundred bucks a month and plus email. So it's my, it might be 120, $130 a month to test some of these uh, ideal customer profiles out. So if you're starting from scratch and you, you don't really have ideal customer profile or you don't have enough past clients to really know who to target, then you should probably still do the exercise of, are these people in need of my services? Are they online? Are they gonna, do they have money to buy it? And after that, then yes, you could absolutely test it yourself. Um, using someone like me where it's like done for you is probably not smart because it's expensive. You know, you're paying someone else to do it right. and you don't learn all the process. But as long as you're building your ideal customer profile and then learning yourself, you could absolutely do it. You could use it and it would be effective for sure. You just have to be honest about um, a really well done cold email campaign is going to be 0.6% meetings booked. And if you're starting from scratch and you're building that profile, it might be 0.1%. So out of a thousand emails, you might have one meeting booked if you're starting out. So just be open and honest about the actual results you're going to get. And it sounds like you have not experimented with highly personalized emails. Is that right? Yeah. So for me, um, if I'm going to do the highly personalized, it's like just from my Google Workspace account. You know, like I'm going to do it one at a time directly to the person. Um, doing it in bulk uh, is so hard and time consuming. Um, I did find a middle ground with a new service. Uh, that actually used with joshstar.co, the campaign that worked really well. Um, and it's, um, I'll, have to, I'll have to add it in the chat, the URL. Um, oh, actually it's response.ai is the service. And basically what it does is, because um, I don't know, Zach, if you've gotten like automated, like cold emails, like I, I get a ton. Yeah, like I same. probably get five or 10 a day at this point. Mm -hmm. But it's always the same thing. It's like, Hey, first name, a quick question. <laughs> it's like literally the subject is like, and I don't know what happened with that. Like everyone read the same book or watched the same like YouTube video. And it's like, hey, Josh, or hey, Zach, quick question. That's like, I probably get 10 emails a day from that in my agency. But as soon as you read that email subject, you just archive it because you're so used to getting it. You know, it's a cold email. And so I was, I was thinking, how can I still send cold email campaigns and not customize each email individually, but get good results. And so I found response.ai and what it does is um, it, re 
it automatically makes videos for you based off of that email and that domain that you're setting up. And so what what I did was <clears throat> with the um, with the product on emails, I had their email, I had their domain, I had my case study domain, and then I had my joshstar.co domain. And so what I did was I recorded a 60-second video one time where I talked through how I found them, and then I skipped to my case study URL, and then I skipped to joshstar.co. And what uh, response.ai does is it generates a thousand videos where I just record it once and it generates a thousand videos with the customer's actual website mm. in the video. And so whenever you send that cold email in the body of the email, it has an animated GIF of their website. Like it looks like, hey, this guy actually recorded I've seen a video. With, yeah. yeah, yep. And so what that did was like in if you're pretty smart, like you can watch a video and you could tell, hey, like he didn't record this video exactly for me, but it's like, it's just good enough to where you could start the conversation. And so that's a really good way to where you don't have to customize each individual email. You basically allow response.ai to generate those thousand videos and you drop it in the cold email campaign. So when they watch it, they see, hey, this is my website they're screen recording my website and it has your face on there and it's like audio like it's it's worked really really well for a lot of campaigns and so for me um you know it's always trying to find software and solutions that that you could scale for me because cold email outreach unfortunately is a numbers game like you're you have to send a thousand there are people a thousand a thousand people a month and so you just have to find something that you can scale. If you're doing individualized emails for a thousand people, it just takes forever to do that. But in those cases, I mean, like I've seen some arguments pretty strongly on the personalized front where they'll get really high conversions, like maybe 20% response rates because it's like incredibly personalized. So I think that's probably the caveat here is that it's not like you would still see a 0.6% conversion rate on something that's crazy personalized. Like for example, Brian Harris was talking about how he would subscribe to people's email lists and hit reply to one of their email newsletters and like compliment some specific blog post. So it's like it kind of overcomes all those cold outreach triggers. Uh, and there's no way that would be 0.6%. But of course, it would take longer. Uh, one one question for these kind of this bulk email approach. Uh, it sounds like you set up a top level domain that is your bulk sending domain so that your main email doesn't get like spam scored or what's your what's that look mm -hmm. like yeah yeah so that's one thing that you have to really make sure that you do right on the technical side otherwise um if you get marked as spam not only does it kill the cold email but it kills your business as well <laughs> and so right off the bat whenever i set up a new client what i do is i go out and i'll buy 10 domains new domains um, or if the client already has a backlog of unused domains, uh, you need normally between six and 10 domains that um, you either buy or you already have that just forward on if they're going to a browser, like it forwards on to your main domain. So um, once you buy those domains, then you set up two emails 
two email addresses per domain. And so best case scenario, you have 10 new domains and you have 20 emails that you're sending from those domains to your cold email list. And the reason why you do that is if you're sending to a thousand people a month, you don't want to send a thousand emails in a day from one email address because you'll get marked as spam. And so you want to send maybe 20, 30, 40 emails from each individual email address a day. And then mm. that allows you to kind of go through a sequence and you want to send multiple emails in that sequence. And so the average month you might send 3,000 emails over 20 days through those 20 emails. And if you do it right and you set up all the technical side of all the setup, then normally the user won't market a spam. And normally Google and everyone that's kind of doing that isn't going to see you as as spam and put you in the spam folder. So you get in the inbox, they get to see it, um, but it's coming from 20 emails. And so um, instantly does a really good job of having, they call it like the unified inbox to where if you're sending out to those 20 emails, it's all coming back to this inbox. And so you just kind of go to one spot and you can see all the replies and all that stuff and reply directly to the emails in there. And do the domains for those emails matter? Like, are they just throwaway? Should they somehow tie back to your actual, like, would you try to pick like pixelpainters.ai or would it just be some BS domain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want it to be consistent with the main brand. So you could buy a .co, .com, .us, uh, .net. Uh, you can use, you know, the in front of it or you know, your first name or whatever, like you can have variations, but you want it to make sense with the actual business name as okay. well. So as long as you can find 10 domains, uh, you're pretty good. And some of them are more expensive. Like I normally don't buy a .ai just because kind of so expensive, but .co.com.us.net um, are the top ones that I typically buy for sure. Okay. So what I'm wondering, I'm wanting to, okay, so here's the math. So before I dive into this math experiment that I want to go through with you, uh, I just want to clarify. So have you done a deep experiment ever with doing highly personalized cold email or, or has other than messaging people in your network, has it always been this kind of like really bulk strategy? Yep. Yeah. It's always been really bulk. Um, and then if I'm doing the highly customized stuff, it's like what you talked about where I'm doing the lead research on my own, generating my own list. And then I'm either, uh, messaging them direct through LinkedIn, calling them or emailing them direct. And so I, I just kind of always got the best results of if you're going to do the customization, like why not just go full on and find them, talk to them, call them send them a video directly and like they know, hey, like the, he actually yeah. did this. You know, so I haven't, besides the response that AI, I have not done like try to get the best of both worlds at all. I've just seen the best results with, yeah. But what I mean, like what the, the line I'm trying to draw is mm -hmm. I want to, because for me, like this, this really bulk approach you take, it kind of reminds me of when I was like first starting back in the day in my agency, I had a call center with actual 
like cold callers and I had sales reps and I did something kind of like your strategy, like with Craigslist back in the day, I had this like tool where I could put a Craigslist post in like a million fucking cities and people would get in touch. So then we call them and all these things. And like, I don't know these days, I just, I don't like how it feels doing that super cold bulk outreach, but I'm wanting to kind of compare what the time cost is for this like highly customized route versus this bulk route that you take. And so uh, I'm wondering how, oh, um, yeah, Stephen, I'll ask that in a second. Um, I'm wondering <clears throat> what goes into what goes into your approach in terms of time and dollars versus the other. And I'm wondering if you have done both. Like, so that's what I'm trying to tease out right now is how how much have you actually tried to do the highly customized approach? Has it just been you've tried it a few times or have you like you've tried it thoroughly and decided like what's your experience with the highly customized one just from your Google Workspace account? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that one um, with a few different businesses, I've done it for years, honestly. Um, you know, it, it depends on the strategy that you're going after. Like I, I've seen the best results on the agency side with having a mutual introduction. You know, like if I can find someone um, that I know is going to use my agency services and I'm a friend of a friend, either on LinkedIn or something, then oftentimes I'll text the person that I know, like on my phone and say, hey, I'm growing my business or, you know, a project is ending and I know you know XYZ, could you do an introduction? Here's kind of what I'm offering. And that normally works very, very well because yeah. they're building the authority from the other person. But what yeah. about like the cold version? Like, because that's, of course, that would work well, but it's not scalable. I'm saying like yeah. you find a church, you go to churchwebsite.com, you go to their their blog where they showed their sermon last week. You pull up mm -hmm. the post and you're like, hey, I loved your guys' sermon last week when Pastor John was talking about how Jesus was really nice. It really got me right here. Uh, I would love to blah, 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 blah. Like, that's what I mean. Because that's still yep. cold, but it is, it's yep. so specific that they know it's not automated. Yep. Um, have yep. you ever invested into something like that or not really mm -hmm. so much? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I have. Um, but I haven't seen results. And this okay. is obviously just anecdotal because um, I don't do that a ton for a lot of my businesses or my clients that I work with. Like, I've done it a lot for the businesses that I've run, started, and operated. And I think the, the main problem that I've come across, and I'm open, obviously, to conversation and feedback, but it's always like when you're doing that, I spend a lot of time researching who they are, their email, finding all this information out. And if they're not in the market to buy my service, then it's like, man, like you just let the they might not time. ever, <laughs> yeah, like they might not ever respond back or they already have someone. And so there's not like that signal that they're looking for my service or offering at all. And so I've always just thought, man, and I did it at first of growing my business. Like that's how I tried to grow is like going out, finding them, um, emailing them directly, like the highly customized route. And I just got zero results because mm. I would never know if they were actually looking for my service. So it's it's kind of comes across as, hey, are you looking for this? And so you're sending maybe 10 of those a day. So it like takes so much time to do that and you're sending it. And then like, if they're not looking for your service or um, 
whatever reason, then it's just gone. You know, like they're yeah. not going to buy it at all. And so I, after a while, just like, man, I got to shift gears. And the cold email is there's the signal that comes back if they're replying. And so the reply may, rate might be five or six percent. And so if you imagine if you're doing the the highly customized direct outreach, five or six percent, you know, those people might actually be looking. Yeah. So you have to send so many of those and the time it takes to do that is so high that I just could never make the time worth it for me. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's the kind of the kind of answer I was hoping to get is just just wondering if you have personally had experience both and you you made this decision after both, or if it was like, you know, this works for you, but maybe, you know, for other people they prefer the other. But so it sounds like for you, the main thing was just the huge time investment. So let's talk about I did the the numbers. So at a 0.6, unless my math is wrong, at 0.6, it looks like you need to send 166 emails to get a client. Is that right? Did I do that math yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so let's talk about like the time cost. And I think that this will answer Stephen's question about table stakes. Um, by the way, can you share that case study URL? If Yeah, if you, if you go to joshstar.co, there's a link at the top of the page that has that case study in there that has some screenshots and uh, some background there. Is that under the case studies link? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's it. Oh, and so I see it. So I go and it is the case study of Pixel Painters. Yep. Right? right. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about the table stakes then while uh, Stephen goes and looks at that. <laughs> um, so if I want to send 166 emails, obviously with your approach, you would never do that because you have a lot of onboarding and offboarding time, like getting the list in the first place, making the ICP in the first place. But suppose you had all that established. Uh, or maybe maybe not. Don't suppose that. So that's the first question is like, obviously you have to pay for the domains. And then for these email addresses, are you just like throwing them into some like HostGator account and you're like making the email addresses in there? Like where are you hosting the email for these and what's the, the cost associated with that? Um, I've always used Google Workspace. Um, oh. There's there's other services that you could use um, and connect with, but uh, both Instantly and Reply.io tie really easy into Google Workspace. And so, so these 20 email addresses, they would all be aliases in Google Workspace? No, no. Yeah, you got to pay at um, a couple years ago, I think it was like $5 a yeah, month. Yeah, but now it's fucking email. crazy. It's like $12 each. So that'd be $240 outlay for 20 per month. I think, don't they do like a even more basic account that you kind of have to dig in oh, okay. um, and find? Like, I think they did raise it to like six or seven or eight dollars per email. Uh, I'd have to look to see, but yeah, you have to pay. So if you're super budget conscious, there's other um, email services that you can run that might be a dollar or two dollars a month, but they're not aliases. They're individual emails with their own sending account and all that okay. stuff. So I, I normally set it up with Google Workspace because uh, both Instantly and Reply.io, they have to authenticate uh, the sender. And so it's not it's not like Reply.io or Instantly is sending the emails. Like they're going through your Google Workspace and they're sending right. it. Otherwise, like it comes across as like HTML email or like email blast. So you want it to come actually from your sender. But it's why like not? Work like with HostGator or something, you could set up email addresses in there and hook it in with like pop three or whatever with that. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I've seen a lot of guys in agencies do that. Like they'll run sometimes, like if you're technical, I saw an article a couple weeks ago, he set up an Amazon SES um, service to where he was doing his own. Um, And for me, it's all about the speed. Um, Like I don't mind paying the $6 a month, the cost. But if you are pretty budget conscious, then yes, like you don't necessarily have to use Google Workspace at all. You could do it for super cheap. Okay. So- We'll go into cost in a second, but what I really want to know, actually, before we go into the nuts and bolts, is the time cost. So these two hundred and, or sorry, one hundred sixty-six emails. Supposing you already had your your template written and made and customized, like to pipeline these one hundred sixty-six leads, find the five percent that have that signal, get them through the next stage or whatever. Like, what do you reckon your time cost is to to do that enough times to get like a few people on the call? Yeah, that's it. So that's the question is like, what's the time cost to get 166 leads through a funnel? Yep. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's a little bit different because I've done it for a while. And so I know exactly what messaging works. I know how to build it out so I could do it quickly. And I think that's why whenever you're paying someone like done for you, like they're saving all that time for you. Um, so for me, whenever I do this for a client, on day one, I'm buying those domains, I'm sending up the emails, I'm warming them up. And so I normally say in the first 60 days, I'm gonna book five meetings for them based off of that. And so normally it takes three to four weeks to warm up those emails. So the first month is building all the messaging, setting up the technology, warming up the emails, and then month two is sending the campaigns. And then by the end of month two, the client normally has about five meetings booked over that month. But if you're doing it yourself, you know, at first, man, it took me it took me months to figure out what's working, the messaging, uh, because it's not like uh, Facebook ads where you can send 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people as a test and do A-B testing and like see what people are clicking through. Like the volume is so low that you have to really test the messaging to see what is getting responses. And so at first, like it took maybe six months, six or nine months to really dial in the messaging on how am I communicating and um, figuring out to make sure that the emails aren't marked as spam and you know sending too many emails and that whole thing. Like it took several months for myself, if you're starting from scratch, to figure that out. So okay. it, de- it depends. Uh, if you're doing it yourself, I would expect stick with it for at least three to six months while you learn, figure it out, and see what's working. And then once you figure out what's working, then you revise and improve on that. And so you said that it takes a couple months to get those first five. What does month three usually look like? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so month three, um, if you have a, a big enough market, then the messaging is working, the meetings are being booked, then you can start to dial up those thousand leads per month. So if you have a big enough market and you're getting five meetings or six meetings booked from those thousand leads, then we might dump another thousand in, in there and go from you know six to 12 meetings a month. So it really depends on how many um, leads that we're putting in there from the actual lead generator or like the actual, you know, lead finder system. And in that case, the 
the scaling is just a matter of buying some more email addresses pretty much. Yep, so yep. once you have everything dialed in and working and hitting the KPIs, uh, assuming that your leads list is big enough, I imagine the time cost to pipeline, like let's say month three, uh, supposing that you already had everything dialed in, you already had the leads list, you have a 20,000 lead list and you're just going to grab another thousand from them. What's the time cost to actually take those thousand leads through to create six mm -hmm. calls? Yeah, yep. Uh, the cool part about the system is it's running on its own. And so um, after you build everything out and you're dumping the leads in there, the time really is it's running on autopilot. So it's sending out the emails. Uh, normally I like to spend 20, 30 minutes a day to get into the system and respond to emails. Um, you know, if someone's replying back to an email, they don't want to wait all day. And so normally I'll check a couple times a day the unified inbox and see who's responded and I'll reply back or whatever in there. And so at that point, it's replying to the emails daily, you know, in the morning a couple times and afternoon a couple times. And then sometimes they'll book the meetings directly. So if you have a sales team that's doing the sales calls, then that time is kind of outside the system, obviously. But mm -hmm. you have to make time to do the sales. But running the system, it's just replying to the emails making sure you're responsive and that could be 30 minutes a day. Really. Okay, cool. Then yeah, I guess let's let's now dive. I feel like I've been spending about an hour, literally an hour establishing these fundamentals, but let's, let's look at this process. So we determined a bit about your ideal customer profile and how you get started. And it sounds like your list, you shared some tools for that um, and you could scrape them manually. So, um, so now you have a list, you know who you want to market to. Uh, I guess the other question is like, you said that it could be hard with a lower ticket service. What should both of your services are recurring revenue? Do you believe that it's mostly only viable with recurring revenue, or if it's a one-off, it could be fine as long as it has a certain margin? Like, how do you establish if your service could even be financially viable for this? What's your benchmark? Yeah, yeah, I like to see uh, average and lifetime value of more than two thousand um, dollars. That makes sense for me because I'm selling the cold email services myself. Um, so if you're booking, if you're paying me uh, maybe $2,000 a month to do this service for you, then um, every meeting that I book for you, you're not going to close. And so for me, the finances are, you might close half of them or a quarter or three quarters, whatever it is. So you have to factor in uh, the cost that you're paying me, the cost that you're getting and your close rate. So normally, just back of napkin, I like to see make sure that lifetime value is at least two thousand. Subscription services are really good because the uh, lifetime value is so high, you know, and it could be a year, two, or three, you know, of lifetime value of monthly getting paid. Um, that's why um, software consulting, uh, software development works really well because typically it's it's large dollars, you know, it's 10,000, it's 20,000, 30,000 per project, and then all the upsells. So normally it's software is really, really good. Uh, branding packages work really good. Like any sort of service works good because normally it's more than $2,000 for that lifetime. You know, if you're selling an individual product, I mean, that product just has to be killer for it to be $2,000, you know. Yeah, but just to clarify, it's not quite $2,000 lifetime value. It's 
sounds like it should more specifically be at least $2,000 lifetime gross profit. So like if you're running your your design subscription and let's suppose your costs are literally 50% and it's a thousand bucks a month, you would want to see a lifetime value of 4,000, which would be a $2,000 lifetime gross profit just to break even. Is that mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yeah. So in, in our realm kind of doing... Um, being the person that's completing the services, normally the the margins are high enough to where even if it's like gross two thousand and the profit is seventy five percent or eighty or ninety, like normally that works really well. If your profit is fifty percent, you know, and you're paying someone else to actually complete the service or something, then yeah, like it should be three thousand, four thousand gross, and net should be two thousand for sure. Cool. But you know, once you get the customer, um even if you're getting a customer for a thousand dollar profit, lifetime value profit, there's still the opportunity for upsells, side sales. Like it's much easier to sell an existing customer than getting someone from scratch. Yeah. So even like if it's around that that mark, I would still say you're probably going to benefit because there's an opportunity to, to build your catalog and sell them something else in the future. So you can increase that LTV at that point. So for a thousand emails that you are sending to, what are the fixed costs? Like if someone's, if you were DIYing to buy those thousand leads, to set up the 20 email addresses, any other costs that go along with it, costs for like the tool, what's the the dollars out of pocket cost, assuming everything was dialed in? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So if I would, um, I would start with instantly.ai because they build, um, it's like a one-stop shop. And so it's the software that does the cold email. Um, it has the lead um, list in there so you can find the leads and put them in your campaigns. And it also does what is critical, which is called the uh, email warm-up system. And so instantly, I think, with the lead add-on is $150 a month. And so at the bare minimum, you'd pay that plus by your domains and setting up the monthly email. So if you're using Google Workspace, that might be $120 a month for the emails, plus um, 100 bucks a year, $150 a year for all the domains. Okay. So you're looking at 250 to 275 a month um, all in to use the system. Cool. Yep. So what does your um, your campaign structure usually look like? So you mentioned that there's there's that warm up bit. Is that different than like an initial, like, I guess I'm I'm curious what your CTA is in your first email. Is it just trying to get a response to see if they're vaguely interested, or yeah, how do you structure your campaigns? Yeah, so there's two things before I answer the campaign question. Um, the warm up is whenever you buy those domains and you're sending up the emails, you can't just start sending emails directly from there because you'll get marked as spam. And so the the warm up is an automated thing that instantly in a lot of these cold email services do to where it automates the sending to other emails in a way to where it looks like it's an actual new email account that's kind of warming up. And so you don't get oh. spam. So other emails so, like within their service? Yeah, yep. That's yeah. Funny. So like cheeky. Yeah. So if, if you signed up and I signed up, my warm-up email would be emailing you and you would be emailing oh, me back so and it would be like it looked like it was coming from you and from me and stuff. So, they do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> weird. And you can set up rules in your email to like automatically archive those. So like your inbox isn't just, you know, crushed with that. Mm-hmm. But 
you absolutely have to do that because if you just come out of the gate and you start sending 100 emails a day with this new email address, like it's all going to get marked as spam. And so mm. you're dead, dead in the water. So there's kind of two things. It's that, uh, but the campaigns, once the campaigns are running on like week uh, four or five, uh, that first that first um, email to the cold email list, it really depends on how targeted your email list was, to be honest. Like um, on my campaign that I did with Product Hunt, the first email, it was a 63% open rate and a 14% click rate. So it was like huge because that video that I talked about and in the subject line was talking about product on. I had a profile on product on. Um, they weren't used to getting cold emails, I don't think, because like I manually found them, like I scraped them myself. So they weren't in that lead, um, the lead list where you buy them. And so that's pretty high. 63% open rates, pretty high um, and was great. You know, sometimes it could be 40% open rate on that first email. Um, and then the follow-ups, uh, you want to see over the course of like a three-part email campaign, you want to see, did they open up one of those emails? Like you want to at least hit them with one open rate on all that. And so for this campaign overall, is 81% open rate uh, from that campaign, which is awesome. It's a crazy, crazy high. So supposing I have a pretty customized or specific audience, what do you recommend I have my first like subject line be, the text of my first email be, that kind of thing? Yep. Yeah, and like I I never do the the classic one that you see all the time where it's like, hey, first name, quick question. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the first one. Like you'll see that everywhere now. Like use that as your subject line. I don't use that because everyone uses it. And if you're getting a cold email, you recognize right away that it's a cold email. And so I've seen really good results by doing, hey, first name, hope you're well, hope you're doing well. Or uh, sometimes you can customize the day of the week. So you could say, hey, first name, hope you're having a great Thursday and kind of customize that email subject based off of what day a week it is. And you can have day of the week triggers in your email system. So I've seen really good results with adding the day of the week in the subject title or just saying, hey, Zach, hope you're doing well. You know, And they're like, oh, all right. Like this kind of seems like it's coming from a friend or an acquaintance or something. It gets past the uh, super salesy of quick question. You know, like your, your friend or someone you know I just feel like the quick question is so overused. I get it so often, like immediately it triggers, hey, this cold. So I'm not even going to open it. And what do you usually have as the the body of your first email? Like what kind of CTA, what are you trying to get them to do? And what, yeah. how do you structure it? Yep. Yeah, I got really good results with, um, and I have for the past year on doing an animated GIF of a video that they have to click through. So if you're, have you ever used Loom? Do you use Loom to record? Mm-hmm. Um, they have um, the animated GIF that you can embed in an email. So I've seen a lot of great results with dropping that in the email. Um, and I think this is probably because cold email is being more widely used. 
that it takes something more than just text to break through now. You know, three, four years ago, you could probably just send, and I did, where it was just straight up text content in the email and you would get opened and people would read it. But now if you don't see like a, a picture of the person that's sending it to you, like you assume, I don't know this person, like I'm just going to delete it. Hmm. And so what I normally have is um, a, well, the body of the copy has a few things. It has who you are. It has the value that you're going to offer them. And it also has um, a some sort of, hey, would you be interested in getting these results for your business? So it's not coming out of the gate saying, hey, do you want to book a meeting? It's here's the results that I've generated, whether financially, emotionally, um, making them look better, whatever it is, here's the results that I've done for a client that are like you. And would you be interested in hearing more about how I could do the same thing for you? So for pixel painters, you might do something like, <clears throat> hey, I uh, love your church. I have this graphic design subscription thing that I did for a similar church that they're so stoked that now they don't have to handle that in-house. Uh, is this something you think you'd want to chat about? Or how would you structure one for that? Yep. Yeah, for pixel painters, um, you know, the the pain point is um, a lot of the churches that I work with, they have a communication director on staff or an executive pastor or a worship pastor on staff, and they just don't have the time to do the graphic design. Or they're working with a volunteer and the volunteer's unpaid doing these graphics, and so they're just taking forever to do the graphics, and the church feels bad critiquing the volunteer for the graphics that they submit. So for the cold emails, it's, um, hey, are, are you struggling to get all your, uh, to create your sermon graphics or your weekend graphics done in time? Um, do you need, honestly, like the best results I've gotten are just offering, hey, do you need help? Because mm -hmm. most of the time they know they're underwater, they need help, there's just not enough time in the day to do everything. And so like offering them uh, my help to help solve that problem. They already know they have the problem. They just don't know in this world. They don't know that there's a service out there that does this. Um, in selling like a service, like cold email service, it's worked really well with showing the results that I've generated for other clients, you know, because every business, they want more sales. So if you could say, hey, I generated two and a half million dollars for this business, and I know I could do the same thing for you, then normally it's like, well, at least I'll read this email or I'll watch this video. And then everything else has to sell that. You know, like you have to deliver the results. Your website, the messaging has to match up with that. You have to um, be able to convince and, and prove that you're doing that. But that first message is, here's the results that I generated. I know I could do it for you. Would you be interested in hearing more? So it's just like opening the conversation. And so you frame the video as saying, like, I made you a video showing how I could get these results for you. Uh, and then after that, it's it's like, would you be interested in hearing more? And so they go watch the video and it has you talking about like who you've helped. And then 
there's some point where the AI thingy injects their website and then it goes back to you. But it's you basically talking about the results you've provided to other clients and the problem and the CTA is like, do you want to talk about how I can do this for you? Is that pretty much right? Kind of, yep. Except in that first email, the video is already there. Like the AI generated video is already there with their website. And so it's, hey, it's me talking about, um, you know, I found you on this website or I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and it's recording their screen, their website. And then it goes immediately into the case study of my website and then the case study of my final website of like, okay. here's a client, here's a client that I helped. Here's my website. And I'd love to talk more about how I can generate these same results for you. And, and so, so that, that's, yeah. Then you just try so to get them on like video. a free discovery call. Yep. Yep. And that discovery call is, um, it, it's more, um, you know, selling your services, proving that you know what you're doing. So it's not like they're ready to sign on right away. It's, hey, am I a good uh, fit for cold email? Oftentimes it's like, is this going to work for me? Or, you know, what I'm selling isn't $2,000 lifetime value. Like, could this still work? Or uh, what do you think about, um, I've tried cold email in the past and it hasn't worked. Or I've done ads and ads aren't performing or whatever it is. Like, it's just basically a discovery of business growth most of the time, you know, because any sort of business, they've typically done ads if they're established um, and probably got a terrible ROI on the ads. And so if you could explain to them, this is a positive ROI, if we could book meetings, then it's normally just um, convincing and selling at that point. And just to circle back to the first email, is the ask, click here and book something on my Calendly? Is it hit reply and tell me if you're interested? What are you specifically asking for? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, most of the time it's um, either let me know if you're interested in um, solving this problem. Um, I normally don't say hit reply. I normally just say, would you be interested in hearing more? Or um, let me know if you want me to send you some ideas of how this could work or um are you open to a zoom call sometimes like are you are you open to getting together tomorrow um so i normally don't say reply back um i try to stay away from that that verbiage there um it's would you be open to a meeting tomorrow or sometimes i've done really good results with adding if you're automatically sending it on a Monday, adding like a day, uh, like a Tuesday. So actually using the word Tuesday on there or Wednesday or whatever and saying, Hey, are you open the afternoon of Tuesday or tomorrow or something if you want to keep in general and like okay. actually suggesting a call to action. Let's do a zoom call. I'd love to share with you how I can help you. Are you open on Tuesday or tomorrow? <laughs> and that works. And then what do your follow-ups look like? Are you just saying like, hey, just checking in. Did you want to chat about this? Or how do you structure Mm -hmm. those? And how many do you send? I uh, do a three-part email for, or a three-part sequence. In the first one, we already talked about. The second one is normally seven to 10 days after the first one. And that only gets sent if they didn't reply to the first one. So if they reply to the first one, then it opts them out. It doesn't send the second or the third. But if they don't reply to the first one, the second one goes out seven to 10 days after. 
Um, and I found that window is good because, you know, if they're busy or they're on vacation or whatever, normally if you reply back, you know, in 10 days, normally you can kind of follow up and they'll, they'll read and open that second one. And so the second one is normally the message is very similar to the first one. And it comes in as a threaded reply to that first email. So it's not like a totally new email off the bat, like a new thread or anything. It's an actual thread, <clears throat> which keeps the subject. And then it's kind of a rehash um, of that first email. Like, here's here's the video. Hope you're doing well. Here's some of the results that I got for a client that's similar to you. Um, I hope you're doing well. I know you're busy. I'd love to... Uh, schedule time to get these same results for you. Are you open tomorrow? And so it's very, very similar to the first one. Okay. And then the third one is a little different because it's almost like they've gotten two emails over the course of two weeks. And this one's like a, a fail safe, like a last ditch effort to see if maybe they're interested, maybe they're super busy and I'm going to do one final thing and say, Hey, there's my, um, um, different language, but a lot of times I'll say, this is my final follow-up. I just wanted to see, I know you're busy. I wanted to see if you wanted to connect about um, my service offering and maybe here's a case study. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, um, I'm not going to email you again or something. Or, hey, I wanted to email you one last time. I was curious if you were open to talk tomorrow. And just keep like this the content just literally super small like that. Um, and oh, go ahead. Yeah, with with cold email though, there are some laws that you have to take into account. Um, so in every email, you have to make sure that there's a way to opt out. And so Reply.io and Instantly, they both do this really well. But you have to have two things in every email. You have to have a way for them to opt out and an actual physical address of where you're sending it from. And so normally at the end of every email I'll have, um, if you're not interested or you don't want to hear from me anymore, let me know or reply back or something. And then instantly reply.io, whatever service that you're using automatically unsubscribes them and they won't get any more emails if they reply back. And okay. then you have to make sure you have the mailing address in there too. So that's kind of the end of every email with normally I have like a, a gif of um, like a headshot of myself to let them know, hey, this is a real person emailing you, you know, it goes a long way as well. And suppose you sent me an email that was like, hey, Zach, uh, I'd love to get you these results that I got for similar people. Is this something you want to hear more about? And I say, yeah. From there, so suppose you weren't, the call to action wasn't like a call. It was just, is this something you want to hear more about? Do you then send like a customized Loom video or what's your response usually look like if they just indicate interest? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it depends on your process. Um, <clears throat> so for me personally, it's so customized for every single time. So it depends on what they're asking for. Like if, if they're asking about, hey, my lifetime value isn't 2000, it's a thousand. Do you think this could work? Then I'll ask some other qualifying questions of like, what are you selling? Is it a product? Is it a service? Is your is your market small enough? And so it's almost like answering questions for them to qualify them. Is this going to work for them? But what and if so, all they said was like, yes, I'm interested in hearing more? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if they say, 
just straight up, yes, I'm interested, then normally I'll respond with, hey, um, excited to connect. Here's my Calendly link. Okay. I would love to kind of do a, um, a Zoom meeting. And so I try to say, hey, book it. I'm open today. And here's the link. Let's find a time to connect. And so that's like the actual sales process. Okay. And that's what's kind of different about this is um, this is the one component that you know you can get the the leads, but you still have to close them. Yeah. You know, you still have to have that that defined process. And so you want to get them with your sales team. You want to get these people um booked with you if you're doing the sales. So that's the actual converting piece of let's get right. a meeting scheduled and sell them on the service that we're offering. Cool. Yep. So for those of you here live, I'm looking at the clock. You got to start winding it into the end. Uh, so if anyone who's live has questions, type them into the chat. But I'm going to I'm going to ask Josh right now my own question while we're waiting for some to come in. So I'm I'm looking at the KPIs I had down of like the stuff I wanted to understand. I wanted to understand your start to finish funnel. Got that. Wanted to understand some of your metrics to aim for. I think I have a pretty all right idea of that. We got some ideas of tools. Um, so I'll just ask you like the classic podcaster ending question, which is like, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Anything about your process? If someone's thinking of implementing this on their own that we should have talked about and didn't? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so um, it might not be the topic here, but I think it's always good as an entrepreneur to talk through um, the actual service that you're offering, uh, because cold email only works is if your service is something that people want to buy, you know, so have you clearly defined, and that's why, um, you know, all the DYF stuff that I've bought in the past and, and consumed, I think that's what's helped me really define what my offering is, you know, like being clear about what you're selling helps the messaging of the cold email. Um, it helps be authentic. Um, the messaging in the cold email on your website when they're booking a meeting, how you're communicating, all that stuff. Um, the cold email only works if you have a solid message and you're selling it and you're being authentic. And so I would I would start there even before you're doing the cold email stuff. Cold email works. So I think maybe secondly, um, cold emails beginning to be more crowded than it used to be. And so it's almost like the wild, wild west of uh, SEO, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Like you could do a couple articles and you'd be the first page. And now the competition is so fierce. You have to know what you're doing to get in that first page uh, results, organic results. And it's the same thing with cold email. The competition is so fierce. You have to do everything right. You have to cut through um, in order to get these meetings booked. And so you have to do everything right. Like you can't just kind of accidentally fall upon good results with cold email anymore, mm. unfortunately. A question from Stephen that kind of ties in with one that I have. So I'll ask Stephen's and then I'll contextualize it in mine. So Stephen asks, what's the bigger conversion lever? Better case studies, more personalization, such as AI videos, or just sheer volume? And then my like tack on question is, how do you decide what aspect of the funnel, like what lever, again, to pull? How do you decide, as he says, better case studies, more personalization, sheer volume? Or how do you decide that your template needs work? How do you decide that maybe your service kind of sucks? 
How do you decide that maybe the stuff you put in that video wasn't the right stuff? Like, how do you decide what thing to optimize when you're not getting the results you want? Yeah. Yep. Dang, man, that's a great question. I feel like that's a whole podcast Um, interview on its own probably, but. Yeah, it is. If I had to pick one quickly, I would say the biggest conversion lever is going to be the sheer volume, like Mm -hmm. adding more leads at the top. Uh, Because even if you're getting 0.1% conversion, if you add another 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, you double, triple, quadruple the top level emails coming in, you're going to quadruple that bottom conversion rate. So if you were doing it, for a client and you were getting 0.1%, you wouldn't be trying to get it to the 0.6. You would first be just trying to scale it more so than optimize it. I would say right off the bat, the biggest conversion and the fastest is the volume. But shortly after that, man, it's like everything has to be aligned. You know, It's like whenever you're doing conversion rate optimization for an e-commerce product, it's like, it's not like one thing. It's like, a hundred is a hundred small things and so yes like case studies you have to have at least one case study you know you have to have solid proof that you know what you're doing and you've done in the past like that's critical um personalization um i would probably put personalization as number three on the list um it's nice to have um and it might maybe push it push a conversion rate up a little bit uh, but it's probably down the list if you don't have the number of leads and the actual case studies, for sure. So if you're running it for Josh Starr and you had your case study, you had all your stuff, like you did all the things right because you've done this before, uh, but you were still getting like 0.1 and you wanted 0.6, what would be the first thing you would change? Supposing that volume wasn't an option because you just scraped these and you only have a few thousand, what would you? What lever yep. would you pull first? Yep. Uh I'd probably go back to the offer. So if you have everything dialed in, you have the target market dialed in, your landing pages, the videos, the case studies, the service, you know people want the service maybe, then I would look at um I would look at the offer and the pricing on the offer too. So sometimes um and this is things um things that I've done for businesses that I've done. I've messed I've experimented with the pricing of the actual service too to see maybe over two or three weeks i'll just cut the offer price in half and say maybe you're trying to sell something for a thousand dollars and i change the website i change all the videos i change everything it's five hundred dollars and see test are people going to sign up are they going to mm-hmm. book meetings based off of like the actual offer price being lower and so um, you have the price like public, like findable when you do this, they could go to your website yeah. and see how much the thing would cost. Yeah, if you're selling like your services online, you know, as a graphic designer or like productized services, um, yes, like the ser- the pricing is online for sure. Um, so a landing page, here's how much upfront you're gonna you're gonna charge. Um, you know, every sort of productized graphic design service, it's um, all the pricing is public. And so the nowadays it's hard to sell something with the client not knowing how much you're going to buy, you know, so that like, that's one of the first things is testing the offer, how much it is and doing that for three or four weeks. And if I get some meetings booked, knowing that the price was cut in half or 
you know, considerably lower, then maybe it's just the value that the the target market is seeing. And you kind of go back to the offer and you try to increase by upselling or offering other services after they're coming on, maybe. Right. Um, that's a big one. Um, another one is um, having testimonial videos of past clients, you know, not just having like a case study that you wrote, but actual video testimonials of past clients. It's a big one. Um, and then maybe after that, making sure that the target, like the emails that you're, the leads that you're dumping in there are targeted enough. Like you might be targeting uh, the wrong audience or they don't have enough uh, budget set aside or they're the wrong person in the company. So um, messing around with some of the, the lead targeting would probably be shortly after that. Cool. This is really good context. And as I understand it, if I wanted to, I could go to joshstar.co and like you could help me do this stuff and I could bounce ideas and you'd help me like create a strategy for how I could do this, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so as with anything, there's that huge learning curve if you're going to do this yourself. Like you could absolutely, there's all kinds of great podcasts, videos, YouTube videos uh, if you want to learn to do this yourself. You know, I did that, took me a few months. Uh, Sometimes if you're running your own thing, the timeline is like you can't wait six to nine months. Yeah. And so if you're interested, um, no, I love sharing and teaching people how to do this. Like it's not like this is proprietary, you know, like there's some things that I've learned that makes that process way faster for sure. So for me, I can get results in one to two months with my clients as opposed to if they're doing it themselves, it might take six to nine. Yeah. And so if you want to invest the time, like it's valuable for you to learn how to do it because then you could take it and you could do it yourself over long periods of time. But a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, they just don't have the time to learn and they'd rather say, all right, you're an expert, set this up for me and let's get, let's start getting results quicker. Nice. So I I love doing that, honestly. And do you have the joshstardomain.co with only one R in it and it'll redirect or should we indeed be very explicit that people have to remember to type two R's? Yeah, it's it's two R's, J-O-S-H-S-T-A-R-R. Yep, make okay. sure you type it in there. I don't <laughs> even know where the one R goes, man. Well, that seems like a good domain to buy if it is available. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I tried to buy Josh, I think it was josh.com or something. Like every couple of years nice I try one. to go in there and he's like, I'll sell it for a million dollars. You just have to donate it to like this nonprofit that I am a part of. Mm. Like, man, that'd be a killer domain to have though. Yeah, it would be. It's kind of steep. Yeah. Well, this is great. Do you, um, before we go, do you have any, any thoughts, anything else you want to share? I'm going to check for any questions, no new ones. So anything, anything else you want to share before we go parting words? Yeah. I'd like to just speak to how valuable, uh, the DYF stuff is over the number of years. I mean, whenever I started, um, buying the courses, uh, the emails, everything like it's been honestly, like one of the first instrumental things of allowing me to grow my businesses. So I just want to say thank you for what you do and and the resources and the input that you have, even for people that don't reach out one-on-one. You know, I've been lurking behind the scenes for, I don't know, it feels like 10 years maybe. It's been a long time. And so I just want to say thank you for that, man. Yeah, it's cool. I, I talk to Brennan about this sometimes because it's like, it's easy to forget, you know, when you're just on one side of the table. And yeah, it's cool. It's cool to hear. And to see you so many years down the line with this stuff having been impactful. So cheers. I'll pass that on to Brennan. I'm sure we'll be happy to hear it. 
Um, Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, again, for everyone here, Josh has a free consult on his site. It's J-O-S-H-S-T-A-R-R.co. And it'll help you determine if you're a good fit for cold email, if it'll be worth the investment, um, if you have like a target enough a list, high enough lifetime value. And it sounds like the consultation will have you empowered enough to like run the thing on your own. And Josh, do you have like a done with you kind of thing? Like if I wanted you to teach me, but I still want to run it myself to like save costs, do you ever do that? Or you pretty much prefer done for you? So at this time, I'm just doing done for you. But um, if anyone wants to hop on and do a Zoom call, I'd love to do alongside you for sure. That's no problem there at all. Cool. All right. Well, then I will hit stop. Don't hang up. It's a thing in Riverside. You got to remember not to hang up. Uh, for everyone who came live, thanks so much for being here. Josh, I really appreciate your generosity with your time. This is really awesome. Uh, so thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, Josh. See you. Thanks for being here. Bye, man. Thanks for having me, Zach. What a great episode, eh? Uh, if you want to get all the show notes and links and transcript and highlights and all the cool things the show notes bring to your life, you can go to dyf.link forward slash episode 93. It's the word episode, the number nine three. Uh, and if you want to check out the DYF Accelerator community to get back scenes access, behind the scenes access, back scenes, what even is that, to uh, expert interviews like this where you can ask them live Q&A uh, and get one-on-one -on -one video coaching from me each week. You can learn more about that at dyf.link forward slash community. Thanks for being here, and I'll see you in the next one.